By the Fire presents A Desperate Soul by Dave Smale Read for you by the author Chapter 12 Pastor Billy stared with bewilderment at Jacob. If he wasn't sure Jacob was crazy before, he was now. Body armor? Billy thought. Uh, well, uh, the pastor sputtered, grasping at straws for a response. I mean, don't get me wrong, it looks pretty cool. I've just never seen anyone wear anything like it. What's it made of, like, clear plastic? Jacob asked. In spite of himself, Billy realized he was looking down at his chest, as if to check whether he was really wearing body armor. The ridiculousness of the situation settled on him. All right, Jacob, that's enough. I gotta go. Call me tomorrow. He turned and walked to his car. Jacob grimaced. That's enough? What's up with that? Who's this guy think he is, he thought, as Billy drove past, offering only a brief smile. Once he was gone, Jacob looked around at the empty lot. Well, this hasn't been much help, he thought. He looked up at the angel who flapped its wings, hovering above the church building. He studied it for a few moments. The magnificent creature's hand rested on the hilt of its sheathed sword. It looked poised to launch into battle at once, its muscles rippling and its gaze hardening. Jacob thought angels were supposed to be peaceful creatures, naked babies or something. But this thing looked positively fierce. It made no move in any direction other than to flap its massive wings, enabling it to hover. Deciding that the thing neither intended nor would do him any harm, Jacob grew courageous and chanced speaking to it. Hey, why is this happening to me? He called to the angel. How come I can see you and no one else can? The being didn't answer. It didn't even register that it heard him. It glared at him. Or did it? Jacob followed its steely gaze. It was not looking at him, but at something just behind him. Jacob looked over his shoulder. There was nothing there but the parking lot and the church's lit-up sign and then the street. He looked back at the angel. The thing just hovered. Hello? He called to it again. Again, no response from the mighty being. He sighed, feeling figuratively and literally deflated. He shook his head, shoving his hands in his pockets. Turning, he began to walk back to his grandmother's house. Uh, his house. It would be difficult for him to come to grips with that thought. Once at the edge of the parking lot, he turned right toward her, no, his house, he reminded himself. Then a thought occurred to him before he'd even gone a block. It was dark, closing in on eight o'clock. The show he was supposed to play tonight with his former band was canceled. It was supposed to be at a nightclub called The Cavern, near the Virginia Beach oceanfront. Since it was no longer happening and he had nothing else to do, Jacob turned to walk the opposite direction toward the beach. 
he doubted he would bump into anyone he knew. Quickly assessing his location in relation to the oceanfront, he guessed it was about an hour's walk. On his way to the oceanfront, he spied several more demonic creatures chasing and tormenting the humans to which they were chained. He was still baffled that the things could so effortlessly follow behind speeding vehicles. He had not seen any more of the six-winged ones, nor any of the two-wingers for that matter. The well-lit Virginia Beach oceanfront was rife with activity, both human and demonic. Everyone seemed to have at least one monster chained to them. Whether it was groups of partying teenagers, families, or everyday people, the monster's sounds were deafening, many decibels louder than people and vehicle traffic combined. Jacob put his hood up, as if it might help to hide him from them. Though at this point he was fairly certain the monsters were only interested in their subjects. After less than half an hour of walking down Atlantic Avenue, Jacob simply couldn't take any more of the grotesque, ear-shattering monsters. He resolved that he would get off the oceanfront as quickly as possible and just go home. Sure, it was eerie and lonely there, but at least it was quiet. As he approached 17th Street, the next available turnout, his ear tuned in to an odd noise that stood out from the demon's growl-like language. He stopped. Is that... singing? He wondered. Whatever the noise was, it was obvious the monsters didn't like it. Their growls grew more boisterous as Jacob approached the source of the sounds. His suspicions were confirmed once he got close enough. It was indeed singing. And clapping. There was a group of what looked to be singers, forming a half-circle less than half a block up from him. Beyond them, 17th Street. The group stood between him and his getaway. Normally, Jacob would not flinch walking by a street performer. Atlantic Avenue was lined with them. But this wasn't a normal street performance. Jacob scanned the group and counted 11 of them. One man sung while strumming an acoustic guitar, while the rest clapped and sang along. Some on key, some not even close. Jacob could hardly make out the song over the even louder monsters. Getting closer, 10 or 15 feet away, he recognized the lyrics. It was some type of contemporary church song. He remembered his grandmother used to call them praise songs. For some reason, the monsters were extremely bothered by the singing. Then Jacob noticed something that surprised him. None of the singers had monsters attached to them. Instead, they wore the strange transparent body armor like Pastor Billy had been wearing. Suddenly, the singing stopped. One of the singers stepped out from the group and launched into an impromptu speech. This really upset the monsters as they passed by. They shouted in English at their subjects, who turned toward the speaker, repeating whatever the demonic things had said. Mostly, shut up, but some shouted obscenities. One even yelled, Hail Satan! The rest of the group 
busied themselves during the speech, engaging passers-by in conversation and offering them little pieces of paper. One of the women in the group approached a group of teenage boys and girls and handed a flyer to one of the girls. Her demon chided her for venturing too close to the crazies. The girls' group continued walking, oblivious that one of their own had been sidetracked. The woman from the church group seized the opportunity and struck up a conversation with the girl. The monster chained to the girl shouted at her repeatedly. It told her, in her own teenage voice, that the woman to whom she was speaking was crazy, lying, and full of manure. Only it didn't use the word manure. Yet for some reason, the girl wasn't listening. The demon shook her chain, which caused the girl to flinch and shake her head. It appeared as if she were trying to ignore her own thoughts. It shook her chain again, and again, with increasing vigor, but with no result. Eventually, the monster became frustrated and stopped, apparently trying to think of a better strategy. The woman and the girl talked through the entire speech. The group started up another song while the two conversed all the way through that. Jacob watched their conversation with rapt attention. The monster shouted at its subject every so often, but its efforts were ineffective. Jacob thought it was strangely satisfying to watch. Other monsters that passed by seemed to chastise the girl's demon for its impotence. The monster was clearly bothered by their chastisement and reared back to punch one of its mockers. However, it quickly realized that it had a more serious situation with which to deal. The woman and the girl suddenly bowed their heads and closed their eyes. This small, seemingly insignificant act sent the demon into a frenzy. Instead of shouting at the girl in English with her own voice, it reverted back to its native tongue. It was the first time Jacob had seen one of the monsters become, for lack of a better term, scared. It shook her chain violently. Before Jacob's eyes, something materialized next to the two ladies. Something of a spirit presence. It resembled a ghost. Jacob looked closer. The apparition appeared to be a bearded man wearing a robe. Within a second, it morphed from a ghost-like presence into a real person. The man looked like an ancient king, sporting long hair and beard, both white as wool. He wore a bright white and royal purple robe. His head was adorned with a glorious golden crown. Somehow the man did not look old, despite his white hair and beard. The kingly man was of average height, just under six feet tall, Jacob guessed. His skin was a deep bronze color, free of blemishes, and it seemed to shine. The ancient king stretched out his arms and wrapped them around the two praying ladies. The monster, still holding the chain of the girl, became frantic. Though Jacob could not understand its language, its tone had clearly changed. 
gone were its sinister grunts and insidious demeanor. Now the giant being sounded desperate through its growls, like a grizzly bear begging for its life. The demon backed away three steps and knelt. The once intimidating beast had been reduced to a pathetic shell of its former self. The ancient king only eyed the monster for a moment while then focusing on the two ladies. Jacob thought this was a sight to behold. A nine-foot-tall, hideous monster cowering before an average-sized man. Although Jacob had to admit that the kingly figure was all at once the most welcoming and most fearsome creature he'd ever laid his eyes on. A chorus of gurgled disapproval came from every monster in the vicinity. All of them seemed to fear this kingly being, as evidenced by the wide berth they gave themselves to avoid him. The monster attached to the girl was trapped. As Jacob analyzed the situation, he couldn't help but think that the beast knew what it needed to do. Just let go of the chain and flee. But it was too prideful to do so. Seconds later, a sound resembling a jet could be heard distantly, though evidently only by Jacob and the monsters. He watched as the beast looked skyward. Many rose up their arms as if ready to block a falling object. The noise rapidly grew in volume. Within a couple seconds, it was louder than the combined voices of every monster in the vicinity. In a flash of light, something landed directly behind the young lady and caused an ear-shattering sonic boom. Though Jacob didn't feel a shockwave, he instinctively grabbed onto a nearby no-parking sign to steady himself. The demonic beings definitely felt the blast. Despite the fact that they had already distanced themselves from the strange kingly presence, most of them were knocked off balance when the sonic boom hit. Many disappeared through the walls of buildings. Jacob watched as most of the beasts quickly recovered, resuming their regular activity as if the blast were just a temporary inconvenience. However, the monster holding the chain attached to the girl was hurled backwards through the air over the heads of other monsters. It flew for over a block and then went out of Jacob's sight. Standing behind the young lady, where the demon once was, a magnificent creature now crouched. Its six wings and robe were of a white so brilliant it looked as if they produced their own light. Jacob had to shield his eyes from the brightness while they adjusted. The being was crouching slightly, evidently because it had just landed. It stood up straight, folding its wings into three neat rows behind its back. It was as tall as the monsters, but it did not appear to be flabby as most of them were. Except for the wings, it looked like a giant human with well-toned arm and leg muscles, much like the angel that hovered over the Linhaven lighthouse. The six-winged being wore a fantastically elaborate chrome and gold helmet, with an intricate design carved on the sides and front. As it stood erect, Jacob saw that it also wore a matching breastplate, belt, wrist, and shin guards, and the strangest-looking footwear he'd ever seen.
They were part boot, part sandal, overlaid in chrome and gold. The helmet covered its forehead, cheeks, and nose. It was almost a metallic replica of the rusted head coverings the monsters wore. Its robe was sleeveless and was mid-thigh length. In its right hand it clasped a sword which glowed reddish-orange, as if it had just been taken out of the forging oven. Dude, if that thing isn't an angel, I don't know what else it could be, Jacob thought. The angelic being reached to the ground, lifting the chain, which was still connected to the back of the girl's neck. It raised its sword as if it was about to sever the rusty chain links. But it stopped when it heard a commotion. It looked up as the other demonic beings in the area moved to their left or right, forming a clear path. Barreling down the path was the monster that, until moments ago, had held that very same chain. It moved at well over 200 miles an hour by Jacob's estimation, which explained how the beings could easily keep pace with moving vehicles. The demon attempted a shoulder block, which the angel dodged. Because of its momentum, the monster needed nearly a block to stop. It turned and tried another attack. At lightning speed, it unsheathed its rusted sword and engaged the angel with successive rapid swings, barely visible to the naked eye. The angel easily dodged each attempt with a speed somehow greater than the monster's. The monster wearied after many fruitless attempts and retreated three paces, huffing. The small break in action gave Jacob time to wonder why the angel hadn't countered. With its superior speed and physique, the angel could have ended the battle at the outset. Jacob stared at the angel's glowing sword. It occurred to him that the angel's weapon may not be as strong as the monster's after all. When metal is hot, it is easier to forge and easier to cut. Perhaps the angel had another strategy. Suddenly, the monster emitted an evil growl. It mustered its remaining strength and lunged with a desperate overhead swing at the angel's helmet. The angel parried, lifting its glowing sword. The colliding weapons produced a sickening metallic whine. Flames, smoke, and sparks shot in every direction. The bright flash caused Jacob to look away. He blinked hard, then looked again. The monster had fallen to one knee, sucking air like it was suffocating. Its weapon had been reduced to little more than a hilt. Whoa, Jacob thought. Is the angel about to kill it? His heart skipped as he braced for what he thought would be something of a paranormal execution. Would the demon bleed? Would it explode? But the moment passed. Jacob watched in astonishment as the angel stowed its weapon. The lava-hot sword was inexplicably contained inside the chrome and gold sheath. The demon, frustrated, tossed its useless stump aside. Gaining a second wind, it launched at the angel with fists. Gnarling and grunting, it swung and swung infinitely faster than any earthly fighter could dream. The angel dodged repeatedly, 
not attempting to counterpunch or block. This looks like something out of the Matrix, Jacob thought. He wondered what the angel was doing. It was clear that the six-winged being could easily defeat its foe. It's holding back, but why? Jacob wondered. With the distraction of the battle, Jacob hadn't noticed that the two ladies had finished praying together. The girl, weeping, embraced the older lady. The ancient king placed a compassionate hand on the shoulders of both women. Then, unexpectedly, the king looked over at Jacob. Jacob gasped. <gasps> he, that, that thing, he can see me, he thought. The friendly yet fierce king smiled at Jacob. Then he turned and nodded at the six-winged angel before disappearing as quickly as he'd formed. The demon suddenly cried out in agony as if it had been defeated. Without warning, the angel grabbed it by the throat with unrivaled quickness and lifted it a few inches off the ground. The angel opened its mouth and spoke several words in a deep, booming voice. Though Jacob could not understand its language, he realized it was similar to the demons, only cleaner, more elegant. The demon thrashed, grasping in desperation at the angel. It pounded on the angel's powerful arm. The angel didn't notice. The demon shot its leg out, attempting a kick, but, as it did, the angel sent a punch to the demon's face that was so fast, Jacob only saw the recoil. The strike dented the monster's rusty metal helmet so badly, Jacob wondered if the demon's skull had been crushed. Its grisly limbs went limp as the angel let go of its throat, allowing it to crumple to the ground. The angel turned to the women, still conversing. In one fluid motion, the angel unsheathed its fiery sword, severed the chain from the base of the girl's neck, and resheathed it. The chain fell to the ground with loud clinks. The angel picked up the chain, wrapping it around one of the unconscious demon's broken wing protrusions. Then it unfolded and expanded its wings in preparation for flight. Jacob guessed its wings were nearly thirty feet from tip to tip. Three sets were all equal in length, width, and girth. One set protruded from between its shoulder blades, another at mid-back, and one from its lower back. Yet somehow, they didn't interfere with each other. Jacob marveled at the sight as the angel crouched. Its wings stretched upward. In a split second, it bounded as its wings thrust into a powerful downstroke. With the unconscious, or maybe dead, demon in tow, the angel shot into the night sky, blurring into a beam of light with a sonic boom. When Jacob uncovered his ears following the boom, another sound came. The noise of a distant trumpet. In stark contrast to the gurgling of the demons still surrounding him, it was the most pleasant, comforting sound he'd ever heard. He couldn't identify the source, but it seemed to come from the sky itself. Jacob looked up, and as he did, 
the sound of a great chorus of applause showered the earth, dwarfing the demonic conversation. The cheers were far louder than any crowd for which he'd ever played or any concert he'd ever been to. His hands went to his ears, certain the noise would shatter his eardrums. The applause lasted for what seemed like an eternity, though it was really only about a minute. A man from the church group stared at the sight of a strange hooded kid standing nearby, grasping a no-parking sign and covering his ears. He'd been watching this kid for the past couple minutes, his facial expressions alternating between astonishment and horror. The man decided the kid must either be insane or under the influence of a hallucinogen. Maybe both. He considered ignoring the kid, but ultimately chose to approach him. Jacob leaned against the no-parking sign, his eyes closed, hands over his ears. The great chorus of applause abated, replaced by thousands of the familiar demonic gurgles. As Jacob opened his eyes and let his hands down, a question dawned on him. Why hadn't any of the several thousand other demons around tried to help the one? With so many of them around, they could have easily taken the angel down. For only a moment, he wished he could communicate with the monsters. Not that he wanted the demons to win, but it just didn't make sense. Where was their camaraderie? Hey, can I give you an invitation? The man from the church asked. Unaware that a man had approached him, Jacob stared blankly at the sidewalk, lost in thought. The sounds of the demons drowned out all human conversation around him. Excuse me, the man said politely, noticing he still didn't have Jacob's attention. Jacob finally looked up and noticed the man standing in front of him. His hand was extended, offering Jacob a piece of paper. The man was wearing the weird clear body armor, like Pastor Billy, only this guy seemed to have more of it. Hey, how are you? the man asked. Jacob stared at him, still reeling from all that had transpired in the past few minutes. The man smiled, awkwardly presenting a flyer. I just wanted to give you this, letting you know that God loves you. Has anyone ever told you that? the man asked. Jacob squinted, straining to hear him over the demons. Huh? he asked, annoyed. The man smiled and repeated himself as Jacob looked down at the flyer. It was for the Linhaven Lighthouse. Something told him, Run. Get out of here. Now. Without a word, Jacob pushed the flyer back at the man, crumpling it in the process. He turned and bolted down Atlantic Avenue and made a right on 16th Street, away from the slew of monsters, away from all the strange things that had happened tonight. Jacob's legs carried him until his lungs forced him to stop. By that point, he was a half mile deep in the neighborhood. Still, it wasn't far enough. Sporadic guttural gurgles came from the houses around him. Nearly every house which had a light on had demonic noise coming from it. He had to get out of here. His lungs burned, but his determination took over. He caught his breath and ran for home.
You've been listening to By the Fire. Hey, tell us what you think. Leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you download your podcasts. Or send me an email. Info at davesmail.com. Info at D-A-V-E-S-M-A-L-E dot com. Thank you so much for listening. This is a work of fiction. Names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents are either the products of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events, is purely coincidental.